why do we make everything so damn complicated when it doesn't need to be? And what do operating frameworks have to do with helping us think about our feelings? And also, I learned that it's not the best thing to just shove those feelings deep down inside and ignore them. Today, I'm joined by Pam Kasanke. Pam is the Chief Revenue Officer of uh, EOS. EOS is the Entrepreneurial Operating System. It's a framework and a cadence for how you can simplify things within your organization. Full transparency, we've adopted this within our organization, and it has been transformative. I'm a big fan. But Pam is fantastic. Not only is she a marketer and a Chief Revenue Officer, she's an elite athlete. She's captain, coach. She's competed in two World Series, two World Cups, and two World Championships across three different sports. So... She's your classic underachiever. Please welcome Pam. You're listening to C-Suite Blueprint, the show for C-Suite leaders. Here we discuss no BS approaches to organizational readiness and digital transformation. Let's start the show. Pam, thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me. So I figured softball question, <laughs> why do humans just tend to constantly complicate things and insert more complexity? <laughs> well, I, uh, that's a big, big opening <laughs> question. <laughs> Watermelon for sure. Um, yeah. yeah, you know, my understanding is that, you know, in my human experience, for whatever that's worth, is that a there's lot. kind of people that naturally tend to gravitate towards simplicity and those that naturally tend to gravitate towards complexity. Uh, but in the end, kind of the, the, the idea of entropy always gets us. <laughs> There's yeah. just no way to escape it. Kind of this like sense or measure of uncertainty or randomness kind of is out to get us all, you know, it's kind of a natural order of things. And I would say that just, it feels like over the with the digital age that curve is just exponentially exploding and everything's going faster than anyone can keep up with so at some point complexity is just here to stay yeah it's hard to avoid the laws of physics right i was in prep for this it was actually um one of stephen pinker's books he talks about the role of entropy and and if the if the universe itself is destined to just maximize entropy and and thus maximize complexity and, and randomness then of course humans are, and of course organizations are. And um, if you can't avoid that equation, then you need to insert something. You need to insert some energy and some focus mm. and a dedicated, you know, effort to actually, you know, clean up that complex, uh, the 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 complexity and simplify things. And that's what I love about EOS, the mm-hmm. entrepreneurial operating system. Is mm-hmm. first and foremost, it acknowledges that role of visionary and integrator. And, and I, you know, once you realize that, then then the visionary doesn't need to waste all that energy on simplifying the complex. And, and the integrator can really just, you know, go full on full court press into constantly, you know, simplifying things. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I'm curious, you know, what drew you to EOS and, and, you know, what do you get excited about with that relationship of a, of a visionary and the integrator? You know, I um, I kind of accidentally stumbled into it. Um, when I, I was coming into a leadership team of a real estate group in Minneapolis and I was the head of marketing and, um, before I had gone into this entrepreneurial, uh, world, I had lived in corporate America for 12 years. In fact, Leo Burnett advertising in Chicago. 
And so the two worlds were completely just foreign to one another. <laughs> and yet when I walked into this company, I walked into a, the best meeting of my life and it was like shocking. <laughs> I was like, wait, how did these people figure out how to have a super effective meeting that like took away all the bullshit really of like politicking and, you know, stay in your lane and all this kind of gross stuff that humans insert uh, mm. as power trippy, uh, egocentric stuff which you never really get rid of, but you have to like this idea of kind of this entropy world, you have to actively combat it. There actually has mm. to be this intentionality or purpose behind what you're doing to kind of mitigate some of the damage that that can do. And just uh, unnecessary complexity, added uh, obstacles and energy busters, right? And so, I, you know, to me, the EOS system is this beautiful simplification of all of these really complex things. And it just, if you, it's like just that guiding light, you know, that that thing that grounds you um, to be able to just move easier. And I have to admit, like when I was young, I was like, get, you know, get away with me, get away from me with structure. Like, don't tell me what to do and mm -hmm. I will make the rules. Thank you very much. Uh, and so I, you know, I, I had a hard time adjusting to it, frankly, you know, with rules. And I just suddenly now I'm feeling the beauty of those things. And it, it actually sets you free. Yeah. There's a lot of freedom in the structure. You know, um, I think I was telling you um, before that I have a couple uh, good friends in NASA, which is kind of weird. Uh, I have two two female rugby player friends in the U.S. national team that um, – that I played with at World Cups and they went to space. And I kept thinking That's of so like, cool. what an incredible journey that is. And, you know, imagine how fun that is to be out in space in this anti-gravity world and you're exploring, you know, it's all fun and games until suddenly you're not tethered to the spaceship. Then it's just like chaos and fear. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm the same as you. I, I've always been really resistant to rules and, and it, it seems like it would be boring. And um, but yeah, I find that that if, if it's the right, it's not even really rules and structure as much as it is just, you know, it's the simplification, right? It, it's it's mm -hmm. saying, hey, he, if you if you need three to five things that you need to focus on and and thing and you'll get it done because you're, you're, there's going to be lots of complicated stuff in there that, that, that happens. Mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. but then that frees you up to really be creative in those spaces because, you know, you know that those three or five things are going to get done. So you can fill that space with all sorts of creative problem solving and, and rather than getting distracted. Yeah, it's a good point. You know, just coming in back to simplicity hmm. and being comfortable with why that's healthy and actually helps you go faster. Sometimes it feels like simplicity and focus can almost ruin a visionary's um, mojo. <laughs> hmm. And actually, you know, when you think about the U.S. system in particular, and I think you'd ask me kind of, this why gravitate towards it, it actually compartmentalizes energy. It doesn't destroy it. And I, you know, if you think about going this whole laws of physics, right? It's not, it's not created or destroyed. It's kind of like harnessed and organized. And it's a closed system, right? The energy doesn't go anywhere. Yeah. 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 Like if there's an issue list for everything, you know, there's something that you're solving for, you know, in the in the immediate 90 days. And then there's stuff that you kick the can on and say, 
yeah, important things for labeling that and naming that thing, and we'll move it over there. And the ideas get captured. And I think that's part of what I think gives everybody a little bit of sigh, a sense of relief that, you know, it, it has its place. It can be on a one-year plan. It can be on a three-year plan. It can be on a 10-year kind of visionary picture. Um, but it doesn't mean it's like, you know, hey, thanks for playing. Nice try. You know, we're not going to do that. It, you know, it can, it can but, right? You can say no to things, but you can also just say, you know, pause. But it's labeled somewhere. It's organized. Yeah, I love that. You know, something I was thinking about that really amused me after our last conversation, because you, you're an elite athlete, and then talking about complexity, something I started thinking about is the the post-game interview. I always get a laugh out of that, because it's like, what do you really expect the athlete to say? But, you know, <laughs> I'll, let's say I watch golf, and Dustin Johnson, they'll, they'll, they'll say, you know, what, you know, how did you do it? And he's like, well... I got the hole in the ball and less strokes, you know, it's like, you know, it's like we got more touchdowns than the other team. And, and yeah. you laugh at that. You're like, that's the most idiotic answer, but you know, it's so simple, but then you step back, you're like, but th that's why they win. Cause like you can get distracted with all the other nonsense, but like if you get the ball in the hole with fewer strokes, you're yeah. going to win. Right. And, yeah. and sure there's other stuff involved, but like if that's at the top of your mind, then you're probably going to win. Right. Yeah. It's really funny. So, uh, I played on the national rugby team for 12 years and I played a game called sevens and a game called 15s. They're very different types of games, different strategies. Uh, and there are, there are these moments in the evolution of the sport where something will change across the globe, like some sort of strategic tactical element. So for instance, in sevens, um, when I first started playing, it was almost, um, you, if you kicked the ball away, it was kind of like a, a big no-no, like the strategy mm -hmm. of the game was just keep the ball in hand, right? If you kick away possession, that's just a problem. And then all of a sudden, like somebody said, well, that's stupid. Let me just go kick the thing. And we, now we'll have field possession. And, you know, and they just thought, well, if the, if the goal is to go get the ball across the line on the other side, you know, maybe if I kick it and just run towards it, I'll get there faster. And I sort of got one person kind of did it or like one team. And then all of a sudden, everybody's kicking again. It's like you, you can, you can just see how the game itself got caught up in X's and O's and they mm. forgot this like basic part of what is the objective? It's to go put the ball down in the try zone on the other side. So figure out how to do that. And does it need to be more complicated than a little, you know, a bit of luck, a bit of smash mouth, a bit of, yes, there's strategic plays and such, but you know, don't get caught up in the rules of like the strategy of the game to the point where you can't play. And, uh, you know, so it's kind of interesting to come back down to the simplicity of it all. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what, you know, and then tying that back to us, what, what I, what, what I love is the cadence of every single week, you're looking at those, the rocks or the goals that you've set for the quarter. And you're also looking at a very simple scorecard that says, here's the type of stuff that we're measuring. And, and I'll tell you our own personal experience, you know, we, we went through iterations of making that very complicated ourselves and then, <laughs> and then making it simple again. Mm. And, um, but then you boil it down to it, you know, for ourselves, it was like, well, we need to keep our employees happy and growing. We need to keep our clients happy and growing. And we need to attract new clients and employees, right? And it's like, if you're just looking at that every week, then it's it's hard to do much wrong. Um, and what mm. what I found interesting is the 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 minute that you take some one of those things off of your weekly cadence, uh, I'll um, I'll be a little 
vulnerable on where I messed up one time is we had one that measured every time, you know, how much we were communicating internally with the team, like executive internal communications with the team. Hmm. And, um, you know, we're doing a great job of it. And we got to a point where we said, hey, like, isn't this just part of doing our jobs now? We don't need this on our scorecard anymore. Cruise control. <laughs> yeah. And so we took it off of our scorecard. And then I think we just got busy with other priorities. And then it fell to the back burner. And then people started complaining that we weren't community, we weren't transparent or we weren't transparent. communicating <laughs> enough yeah and it's yeah. like oh what are we thinking and so then you add it back in and it's like if you don't measure it you know it's really not going to happen it feels like that is true well i mean guilty right i mean we're all guilty but it, there's just never there's not a perfect way to do any of this stuff but there's a way to strengthen um and you know keep your eye on the prize and the focus right and the tools will actually help you right that's that's what i love about it is that there's just a natural tendency to screw up (laughs) like (laughs) so the tools always just kind of keep you honest with well hey you know something feels stuck something feels complicated something feels like it's not quite working well what do we have in our toolbox that might help us you know get unstuck or think through or break through some ceiling that we're clearly having you know, the first thing we need to do is kind of name that thing, right? So as soon as you can kind of name it, you're like, okay, well, now what's the real root of issue? And you ask about, you know, five five times you ask the word kind of, well, why? Why is that? And then suddenly you realize, well, well wait a minute, right? Like we just didn't, we stopped measuring that thing, right? Like mm-hmm. we didn't suddenly turn into a, a, a non-transparent company. We're not hiding something, right? But that's right. the stuff yeah. that people make up in their head when they don't hear from you. Right. So mm-hmm. like void of information, humans just tend to like make up BS. And and then so that kind of sense of communication is, is critical. So I love that story. And because it's just I know it's simple. Right. It's simple. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's extra frustrating when you know that your intentions and your values haven't yeah. changed. You know, it's just execution. Yeah. Right. Which is. Um, which is why you need to be rigorous and, and kind of always, always um, keeping an yeah. eye on that. You know, well, that's the, what an um, operating system kind of is. I mean, it's about the execution, right? Yeah. It's not about like, it's not about giving you answers. I, that's the other thing. If, like, EOS doesn't like solve some problem if you're in the wrong marketplace or selling the wrong thing, right? EOS isn't like, it's not meant to somehow be smarter than you or you know fix you for being broken like you're not broken no one's broken it's just a way mm-hmm. of helping you execute your own brilliance of a vision and of a business that you want to run and whatever the hell you want from your business it can help you get there with just framework yeah i mean it's it's you know i always drew all the comparison to um you know, in software delivery, and, you know, I've had so many clients that they're like, um, you know, we, we think that we just need to move to agile or be, you know, more have better mm-hmm. agile, you know, delivery practices. And it's like, yeah, but maybe you're building the wrong software or maybe you've got the wrong team here. <laughs> right. You know, and that's when some of that, that you know, these are yeah. all tools in the toolbox to be to, to be able to leverage, um, yeah. you know, yeah, I guess. If you're an executive at EOS and, and I'm an executive on a company that runs EOS, does that mean can you reboot my operating system every once in a while when I'm going off the rails? <laughs> well, you know what? The, <laughs> this is the classic. I need you ready? it sometimes. You ready? <laughs> turn it off and then turn it back on. <laughs> Beep, bop, boop. <laughs> all right. Everything's better now. Everything's all um, good. You know what I love, though? Um, so pulling it back to that integrator visionary oh, relationship. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm curious your experience of how does it not turn into a dynamic or how do you avoid it becoming a dynamic where one person just feels like they're cleaning up the other person's mess all the time? Ooh, 
you're inserting kind of a maybe universal problem, but I'm not sure if that is the problem. But um, it seems like, you know, visionaries and integrators are doing a dance, right? They're mm. the yin and the yang. They're the dynamic duo. Um, so I, I think you have to start with the, the know thyself piece. You know, who yeah. are you? What is, you, what is your greatest contribution? Mm-hmm. Um, what is something that you hate doing and you suck at? Maybe something that you're always like, you're always stuck doing and you're really good at it, but you're actually like, you know, you're burned out from it. You don't want to do it anymore, right? You're recognizing those things. And, you know, you look at things like these, these profiling tools, like we use Colby in the U.S. And, you know, you have to know the type of person that you are and how you like to absorb information, how fast you like to go, how many facts you need, all that stuff, you know, and then knowing yourself and your tendencies helps you pause and say, okay, mm. how does my, how do I show up? Right. It's this whole idea of like mental health and centering, <laughs> I think that allows you to become a better leader by design, uh, a better partner and colleague, you know, just, just take a pause, take a breath and say, you know, where, is, is my, is this serving me? Is this strength of mine serving me? Or is this strength of mine in this particular moment actually causing a problem that we don't need? And I need to trust somebody else who happens to me maybe better at this, or maybe they have, you know, there's a lot of same answers to the, to the same problem. They're just coming at it from another angle and, and maybe that's the right approach. So I think that's yeah. the start for both people, right? It's yeah, not like it's really... somebody's got to work harder than another person. It's, it's, it's a shared deal. That's a good point. That and the partner aspect, because this is just raw human relationship stuff, right? And any partnership and like, man, any like marriage or anything, you know, if you, you got to you gotta assume positive intent, that's, that's where you got to start, right? You got to be true to yourself, like you said. But like, if you are keeping count of like, am I doing more than the other person is? That's just mm. going to go off the rails really quickly. Mm-hmm. And then I think it's always a reminder of, the va- reminding yourself the value you're getting out of that relationship, you know, the, the, cause I think sometimes let's say the visionary might get frustrated. Oh, so-and-so is just slowing me down with, mm. you know, by inserting X, Y, and Z. And, and the integrator might be frustrated that, Oh, the visionary is just making all these messes. And, um, and, and that's probably worse when you're stressed out or, you know, haven't right. slept or, or, right. you know, but if you can remember that positive intent and remember and, and not keep count that you're in this together, um, yeah. and you know, what I've, what we found internally is even, even though this is a business, so my partner, Ben and I, you know, I, I'm, I'm stepping out of the integrator role, but, but it was visionary integrator. We would even go to the Berkshires for like a meditation retreat for the two of us. Like the yeah. same that you would with, a, a, with your spouse or your partner, oh, right? Yeah. <laughs> that you got to just find the time. Otherwise you're going to start to grade on each other. Well, it's not even, you know, it's an, it's, you have to consider the health of your relationship a true investment. It's not Mm -hmm. a find the time nice to have really like that's actually, you know, just flipping that to say that this is as important uh, for us to trust each other this way, to have a healthy dynamic so that we aren't making stuff up. We aren't filling voids with head trash. Um, You know, I actually have a visionary integrator duo that (laughs) took it so far that they went on They created a love path, like literally a spousal (laughs) conversation around, you know, stuff that truly marriages will deal with in terms of what do you see? What do you want? Uh, They actually even outlined, okay, when things hit the fan, what are the four steps that we would default to? So they even put structure around 
a moment in time that says that if in fact one wants out or something changes, what is the kind of like break the glass four-step process? We go do this. I mean, you know, so, and they're just constantly keeping these type of circles connected and investing in, the, in their health. Um, you know, and the other thing I, I heard you kind of say around just this like positive intent or assuming that, or just, you know, being open-minded to that. What are they getting? What are they, what are you gaining from that relationship? So Dan mm-hmm. Sullivan has a great book, you know, had a strategic coach, the gap and the gain and Ben Hardy. And it's just, it, it was a reminder to me how much I'll even get myself caught in, in this gap thinking instead of this mm. gain thinking. And so for like, here's an example. So uh, just recently I had an experience where I was frustrated that I, um, that I was not getting the right type of review or specific detail on, a, on something that was really important. And it, it just, um, I, I had given, I have given a leader in the company something to review. There was a sense of, yeah, it's fine. Keep moving. turns out it wasn't. <laughs> and I'm sitting here going, gosh, you know, like this, why didn't I get this type of feedback? And, you know, one of my colleagues reminded me and says like, that's not their gift. That's mm. not what they love to do. That's not what they don't like to edit. They're not the person who's going to give you the detailed review of things. Like that's not how they fly. And instead of holding that against them, I could say, wait a minute, you're right. Like they're just the wrong, that's the wrong person to be thinking through the details with me. I actually needed to redirect that energy and not try to force something that wasn't going to fit. Interesting. It's funny that like building up that laundry list of frustrations in your head is like yet another like entropy example where you're just, mm. you're, you're inserting more complexity and and then that all of that energy is now energy that cannot be used to actually be productive, right? Like the yeah. bigger that list gets, the less productive things you can get. And so you need to, to simplify. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. We call that head trash. I know it's like a lovely just term of, you know, all the things. But in, in the U.S. community, because I'm a professional U.S. implementer as well. And so, you know, I kind of practice what I preach. And there's all of these interesting moments where the community starts to learn this language of like when they catch themselves. And, you know, part of the whole trick of this stuff is just naming the thing you're feeling and thinking mm-hmm. and being able to just say, hold on a second. I feel cluttered. I feel compli- You know, I feel like there's things happening, you know, and we can say now that sounds like head trash around that thing. You're adding <laughs> complexity to it. You're filling gaps that do not need to be filled. What if you looked at it this way or just cut yourself some slack here and just you know, this is what it is. It's not this. And, you know, break through that, move forward. You know, it happens constantly. But it's it's good to know that that's, you know, it's once you just, even if you just say that, it gives people relief. Like, oh, yeah, that's a bunch of stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, a common language is so great to accelerate and, and defuse those types of situations. Because I know myself, I, uh, I tend to like let the frustration go internal. So I, I don't even like identify it right away. But I, what I've learned is if I could just say, hey, I'm frustrated and I don't know why, but I'm going to figure <laughs> it out, you know, by the end of the day, like that's a huge difference from just, you know, being a frustrated guy, right? That's, that's a huge step. Anything. That is yeah. so massive. I, I have to tell you, people forget that step, you know, and actually just say they get quiet, they get in insular, uh, you know, you start to politic even, you're, mm-hmm. you know, the energy is getting directed somewhere else. You're, you know, pushing it on other people, that stuff. But just naming it, God, I am frustrated, right? When you say those words, it forces you to do something about it. And hopefully people around you are saying, 
you know, well, well, why? Let's break that down. Yeah. Has something happened? Why might you be feeling this way? Like, tell me about your feelings. Describe that thing, you know, and and eventually you'll just start digging and go, oh, my God, you know, this is this is actually the thing that happened. And I'm feeling something that may or may not even be there. But Pam, I don't want to talk about my feelings. I want to <laughs> bottle them up and I'll push them down, deep, deep, deep down. <laughs> oh my God, we all need to be therapy. You know, that's really what the bottom line is. But yeah, it's so funny. The other EOS common language thing I really love is on the issue processing. So yeah. for those that aren't familiar EOS, you do you do weekly um, issue processing. You have a list of issues and and with your team and. Um, like the labeling, what type of an issue it is, is so mm. huge, right? Like, because you, you could talk around a problem with so many different words and it could really confuse the fact. But like, if you can just get your team aligned on like, hey, is this a people problem? Is this a process problem? Yeah. You know, what kind of problem is this? Then like you can very get quickly aligned, okay, we at least know the category of problem it is. And that I've found that that accelerates our conversations by an order of magnitude, at least. Oh my God, totally. Um, and it's a skill and it's an art to be able to just do it really well. I always say issues have babies, right? Are you talking about the issue parent? Or are you talking about the issue baby? Like really kind of dig into the the root, right? We're always talking about identifying the root issue. And it's not always um, right at the surface, right? We tend to, when we think about solving issues, the, the process is to usually identify the thing you're actually supposed to be talking about because the rest of it's kind of a distraction or a symptom of something larger. And so if the idea is to really just get that thing rooted out at the very, very tip of the, the issue, then you'll solve it for the greater good forever. That's kind of ideal. And once mm. you've identified it, you're discussing that thing. Then, you know, there's a more st- strategic or logical flow to the discussion. And you're not getting distracted by talking around something, which is usually where we can get lost. We can get um, off on some never-ending trail of, you know, a rabbit hole. And then suddenly there's a solve, even if it's a first step. It doesn't mean you, you can solve it all with a magic wand overnight, but you're taking an active step to go do, to combat that thing. And that's called IDS. And usually, you know, the opposite of that, which is what most tend to do, is DIS. You know, we'll actually just start discussing. There's like a vomit of the mouth around how you're feeling, around what happened. There's a description of the thing. And that's where people can kind of, or they'll jump in with a solve. The other thing is you can say, as soon as somebody says something, it's like, I got it, I got an idea for you. <laughs> um, which, you know, it might be good, might be bad, but who knows, like, let's try to get a little bit more focused on what we're actually solving for. Uh, we're talking about relationships and feelings and touchy-feely stuff and vomiting head trash out of your brain like who would have thought when we were talking about an operating framework for for companies that we would get into so many fun topics yeah well you know human being human is is complicated turns out we are all that you know it used to be this adage that is funny when i was growing up at like growing up in business and leo burnett i had this sense Maybe it was part of my old school, my dad's kind of world of things. And, you know, business is business and business isn't personal. This whole phrase that business isn't personal. I mean, it's just we've just shattered that, right? Business Mm -hmm. is personal. You are personal. This is personal. All of this, especially now 
when, you know, we're on Zooms and you can literally see into my kitchen, you know, and you can hear my dog barking and my, you know, the baby's crying and like life is happening, whether you want to pretend it is or not. And we carry things into the room and we carry things out of the room. And so that is part of it, right? You're, it's very personal. It is a big one. Yeah. And, you know, one thing that we've had to learn is, is the baggage that people bring into the company from other places. You know, we, we have our values and we live up to them. And you, you start to realize that like people will be like, yeah, I hear you saying that, but I'm waiting for the moment when you show me that that's not true because <laughs> I've been beaten down in my last couple of, of jobs. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. and being able to understand that 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 people are coming with that baggage is, isn't it? I mean, I guess that's more reason to have all of that clarity and the framework and the right rocks mm. and the right everything, because the less noise you can have, the more room you can, you can leave for people to kind of like work through the baggage and work through the feelings and, and yeah, it's a big, it's a big deal. And I, you know, and what is, when I think about the EOS community, we have this almost this requirement mojo that happens, which is an abundance minded community. We we're, we're creating that actively. We're working towards that. We're practicing that we're calling each other out on it. And if you start to think about what that means, it's the opposite of fear, right? It's an ap- opposite mm-hmm. of less than. Um, we're not coming at, from, at it from a de- deficit. We're coming at it from a gain perspective, gap versus gain. I mean, that's what abundance-mindedness is. It's not easy. And when people join, they don't realize the baggage they have to shed. And it's, a, it's an unlearning process. You have to mm-hmm. actually actively unlearn things that made you not feel safe before. And so if we can create an environment of, you know, this kind of sense of, yes, we are all here to do the right thing. It may not be perfect. They may not, it may be messy at times, but we have the tools and the value system to break through that. Then suddenly it doesn't feel like we're starting from a place of you're out to get me. The scarcity model is, is a really dangerous one. You know, I, I know something I always I use to combat that is, um, you know, I, we've worked with lots of clients. And when you see the scarcity model, you see people kind of politicking to get a certain role because there's only one role for them to get. And, and so I, I always talk about internally that we want to help you grow, whether it's here or elsewhere. So if, you know, th- that helps us bring the abundance, if there, if we're hitting a ceiling here within this organization, there's still an abundance out there and we'll help you with that. Right. But, but like if, it, if you're viewing it as scarcity within the organization, then bad things are going to happen. And I, love um, that. I think it's good. And, and then we have alumni come back to us because of that, you know, cause you just I love it. help people. Right. It's simple. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. If you just, you know, it's a greater good growth minded sense of things and you know everyone is going to find their home um and it actually you know when you think about we we talk about right people right seat a lot and if you come at even somebody not working right there's actually a sense of i don't think this is working for you kind of thing there's actually a growth mindedness to saying look i you know like this isn't this isn't for you it's not for us and but we want to help you and like this is helping you right this is like helping you this is helping us no one wants you to feel frustrated and stuck. We just don't, no one wants that. That's not part of it. So instead of like a blame and shame game, uh, there's actually a sense of let's find something that's even better fit for who you are, your unique skill and gift in this world. Yeah. Yeah. Cause everyone's got one. Um, just a matter of finding it. 
I really enjoyed this, Pam. Something I love to finish yeah. with is yeah. throughout your athlete career, your corporate career, what mm-hmm. and your just life, what's the, the best advice you've ever received? Well, I mean, for me in particular, there's some, there's a, there's actually something that my coach from Michigan softball, Hutch, greatest coach I've ever played for ever, winningest coach in Michigan history, actually. And she, <laughs> she actually said she had never told an athlete this ever before. Hmm. And she couldn't believe she was going to say this, but she told me to try less. <laughs> 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 which is like, I can't tell you that, that this is a universal advice. I, there's just no way this is true for all. But for me, I think it brought home something that um, really helped. Like it just continues to reverberate in my life. Try mm. less. There is, you don't have all the control that you think you do. You are never as good as you, as you think you are. You're never as bad as you think you are. And actually less is more, especially now when there is more out there than you could ever put your hands and your brain around. So just, you know, try less and, you know, let it go. I, love <laughs> I, don't, take, I don't know if that's... take the rest of the day off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go on a vacation, would you? <laughs> well, that advice works for my, I can tell you from, from experience, it works on my golf swing. If I try less, it's a, it's a much better shot, that's for sure. I love it. I love it. Okay. Well, Pam, thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. I really appreciate the time, and you know, it was really fun to talk shop with you, and a little bit of science, too. Love a little science interjected. <laughs> Have a good one, Pam. All right, take care. You've been listening to C-Suite Blueprint. If you like what you've heard, be sure to hit subscribe wherever you get your podcasts to make sure you never miss a new episode. And while you're there, we'd love it if you could leave a rating. Just give us however many stars you think we deserve. Until next time.